0: CHAPTER ONE The first shot felt almost as if it were a physical blow, and it took Madison Abbott by surprise as she exited the cool peacefulness of the stable. She stumbled backwards, grabbed unsuccessfully for a handhold as she tripped over the leg of the wooden bench and almost fell into the hay-strewn dirt. Only by slamming into the side of the stable was she prevented from actually falling. The blinding lights disoriented her— paling even the brilliance of the sunshine, and she did not have time to regain her equilibrium before complete chaos enveloped her. Flash-bobs popped and cameras clicked like rabid insects. Photographers shouted questions she could not decipher. They sounded to her only like guttural moans of wounded animals poised to attack. Madison raised her hands in self-defense, feeling cornered and momentarily confused as to which way to flee. She was on private property, "'There was round-the-clock security on the estate. "'How had the paparazzi gotten onto private property? "'Oh, right,' she remembered as she dropped her hands dispiritedly. "'She had invited them.' "'She turned away from the horde "'and was prepared to run back into the safety of the barn "'in full, spineless retreat. "'And then it was over. "'The pandemonium instantly diminished "'into disgruntled mutters almost as quickly as it had started. "'Cameras were lowered.' Their owners backed away, looking disappointed at best and disgusted at worst. She apparently had been deemed unimportant and promptly forgotten. The majority of the pack turned to go, immediately back on the hunt. Madison tried to smile as she blinked away the spots, still lighting up her vision, and shrugged sheepishly. "'I guess you realized it's just me.' "Ay, but you look a little like her, you know,' said a voice she recognized, but whose owner she could not see.' She rested her hand against the side of the barn to steady herself, until the blinking spots disappeared and her vision cleared. If Madison had met the speaker in a dark alley, she would have been frightened by the multiple facial piercings, particularly the one that looked like a small silver knife through his lower lip, and the violent-looking tattoos, one of which appeared to be dripping red ink as though it were blood, covering every inch of exposed flesh on both large, if a little flabby, arms.' but she recognized the speaker as one of the more reasonable members of a group she had encountered before. Inwardly pleased at his comment, she still cocked her head and wrinkled her nose. "'Do you think so?' The photographer shrugged and grinned, rubbing the stubble on his chin as he looked her up and down. "'A little. You're not as tall as she is, of course, and your hair's a bit shorter and a little lighter, and your eyes are brown and hers are green.' Madison laughed, "'And I think you weigh a wee bit more.' "'Enough! You're killing me!' Madison interrupted as she waved to stop him before her self-confidence was completely flattened. He laughed. "'But you're definitely as pretty as she is.' She nodded good-naturedly. "'You're kind. Hard to say any different, though, isn't it?' She gestured towards the stable-block and the paddocks beyond. "'They're not here, though, really. Have a look around.' "'They will be, though, right?' She smiled. I think that's the plan, but honestly, I haven't spoken to them in a while, so I really don't know for sure. He narrowed his gaze and stepped menacingly towards her. Towering over her, he said, "'You wouldn't be lying to me now, would you, Lady Madison?' Madison fought the urge to step back, holding her ground as she calmly replied, "'Have I ever lied to you before, Joe?' "'Aye, that I can't be sure of, lass,' he smiled broadly. "'But you're one of the good ones for sure.' he leaned down and surprised her with a quick peck on the cheek. "'You take good care now,' he said as he turned and waved his camera before departing down the dirt path with the rest of the stragglers. As she watched them go, Madison wrapped her arms around her stomach and leaned back against the side of the stable. She had only encountered the paparazzi on five prior occasions, she was keeping count, so she was not yet used to her own reaction to them, which was, at best, disconcerting.' As she waited for her heartbeat to return to normal and her breathing to slow, she realized she would never get used to that kind of assault, expected or not. She knew she should warn her friends before they endured the same treatment, and, sighing at the prospect, Madison had just straightened when she saw Duncan Rand round the bend in the path leading from the new makeshift polo field. He smiled broadly when he spotted her and waved. His smile was the only imperfect thing about him— or about his physical appearance, anyway. And as she watched him approach, she thought how very like the thoroughbreds in the stable behind her he was. He was the only man she knew who could combine a taut, powerfully athletic build with a graceful fluidity of movement that had not an ounce of the effeminate in it. He was dashing in his polo whites, his chestnut hair tussled by the wind, or perhaps a practice run for the charity polo match due to start within the hour." Madison remembered that look from the mornings he had awakened next to her, and felt a little thrill go through her at the thought. The memories were now good ones, after years of steeling herself against the longing they evoked, but she knew caution was still called for where Duncan Rand was concerned. Madison felt her heart rate quicken once again as he neared, and she was slightly annoyed that, although they had not been a couple for almost seven years now, his presence could still affect her in that way— She tried to eliminate any situations in which she could possibly be vulnerable, so she determined to ignore her own response. "'I'm so glad you made it,' she said lightly as he kissed both of her cheeks. "'I was worried you'd be too late for the match. I've been here for an hour or so. I thought you'd be at the field, but when you didn't show up, I came looking for you,' Duncan said as he looked over her shoulder at the last of the departing scrum. "'Is that the paparazzi on your estate? Who are they after?' seriously? Yes, they've never been here before, have they? They were looking for Kate Middleton. They thought I was her for about ten seconds. You do look a little like her, he said as he stepped back and eyed her up and down. Except you're not as tall as she is, and your eyes are brown. Stop right there, she said as she pointed at him and narrowed her eyes in an attempt at a stern expression that fell far from its mark. Duncan laughed mischievously. I thought you'd be flattered to look like— "'The prince's girlfriend?' Madison said as her eyes opened in mock disbelief and her head fell dramatically to one side, as my mother still calls her. "'Yeah, I have no idea what that's about. But speaking of the duchess,' he said as he reached for Madison's hand, she slipped away from his grasp, making believe she was reaching into the pocket of her blazer for something. Duncan frowned, but he continued, "'How in the world did you convince her to hold this tournament on the estate? It will ruin the field, you know.' "'And she seems so... superior?' Madison asked, raising one eyebrow and stifling a smile as she turned to look at him. "'Condescending, perhaps.' "'I was going to say particular,' Duncan shook his head, but he smiled, too. "'That seems innocuous enough, doesn't it?' "'Innocuous is not a word I believe I would use in regard to my mother, but I appreciate the effort.' "'So how did you manage it?' he asked casually, as he sat on the wooden bench and started to remove his riding boot.' "'I never thought I'd see the day when your mum gave permission for so many strangers to be on the grounds of Widdenhurst Hall. I thought she prized her privacy.' He smiled mischievously, "'to say nothing of exclusivity.' "'She does,' Madison answered as she sat next to him and removed a small token from her pocket. But this match is in support of one of her charities, the Bobby Van Trust. Camilla specifically asked her to do it, and she didn't feel like she could say no.' And Daddy is going to have that field ploughed under anyway to make way for an organic garden with a large apple orchard, so she agreed, reluctantly, I think. Duncan inverted his leather boot, and a walnut-sized stone and several small pebbles fell into the dirt below. "'That explains it,' he said as he tugged the boot back on. "'I took a fall this morning, and it must have gotten lodged in there then.' "'And yet,' Madison noted as her eyes ran over his still immaculate outfit—' You managed to not get a speck of dirt or grass on you. I walk under a star, as my mother used to say. He smiled, and as he stood, he held out his hand to her. Shall we join the rest of our party? Before we do, I—I I have something for you, Madison said shyly, feeling foolish now that she had brought something so personal for him. She realized that he would likely not appreciate the sentiment behind it, but since she had mentioned it, it was too late to renege. So she handed him a bronze horseshoe, clearly too small to have ever shod an actual horse. For luck, she said softly, to ensure you always do walk under that star. It, it, she said, pausing as her voice caught with emotion. She looked down at the token, remembering the harrowing trip to retrieve it, and swallowed over the lump that had arisen in her throat. Well, it belonged to Charles. I know lucky charms are ridiculous, but he thought it kept him safe. "'Madison looked up into Duncan's face, "'horror at what she had said clearly written in her own. "'On the polo field,' she finished quietly. "'Duncan took the horseshoe and covered her hand in both of his own. "'As he stroked it, his voice was soft when he said, "'I will treasure this, Madison, "'and I will keep it with me every time I play. "'Thank you.' "'He leaned down and tenderly kissed her cheek.' "'lingering there for longer than was polite under the circumstances. "'Madison just nodded, uncertain now whether she could trust her voice. "'She started to walk down the path leading to the low roar of the gathering "'they could now hear in the distance. "'Duncan followed and pulled her arm through his own, "'holding her hand against his arm as they walked in silence for several minutes, "'the peace of their surroundings a paradox to the shouts and laughter they were heading towards.' As they approached the newly christened polo-field, the path from the stable-block opened up to a wide vista. Madison was amazed at the sight before her. She had arrived late this morning and had not had time to see the renovations, as it were, to the estate. Just last week the field had been a quiet pasture where the thoroughbreds her father raised frolicked, and now it was a hive of activity and noise. Over three hundred yards in length and one hundred sixty yards in width had been sectioned off, cleared of all trees and bushes, and mowed shorter than normal. Goal-posts centered eight yards apart had been erected at each end of the new field. Horse-trailers, range-rovers, and sports-cars ringed the playing field, and several players warmed up themselves and their mounts at the far end. There were more people standing about and mingling than Madison had ever seen at one time on the estate— "'Several groups sat on picnic blankets at the edge of the playing area, "'picnicking and clearly enjoying an afternoon libation or two. "'She knew her mother would be horrified "'and was relieved Jacqueline Abbott had chosen to spend this weekend "'at their home in London. "'Duncan tapped her arm and pointed. "'She followed his gaze to a rather large white tent, "'under which, when she squinted, "'she thought she could see two women arranging dishes on a table. "'You had a tent erected?' he asked. "'For a polo match?' "'Madison sighed heavily. "'I didn't,' she said, shaking her head slightly. "'This is all Peyton's party.' "'You let Peyton Taylor organize something this big at your home?' "'I didn't let her. I begged her. "'Peyton is one of London's best event organizers, "'and I'm clueless about these kinds of things. "'I think she went all out, and everyone is supposed to drop by. "'William and Kate, Annabel and Chris, Jules, Gig, Sidney, of course.' she said, nodding, as she narrowed her eyes again in an effort to make out the identity of a dark-haired woman, carefully arranging something around what looked at this distance suspiciously like a champagne fountain. Wow, that's excessive, Madison said, hoping she was wrong about the fountain. Even after all these years in England, Peyton's American roots still sometimes got the better of her, and she overdid their get-togethers, particularly when it came to Polo, which she always seemed to view as something as formal as Ascot. Nothing Madison could say would convince Peyton that Polo was an informal affair. They were almost upon the tent when Madison saw that the dark-haired woman was, indeed, her friend Sidney Atwood. Duncan interrupted her thoughts when, dropping his voice, he said, "'Sidney looks good.' "'Madison turned and looked at him. "'She does,' she agreed, surprised and inexplicably annoyed by his observation. "'What makes you say that, though? "'I think she has always been a beautiful woman. "'I always wanted to look like Sidney. "'She's so—I don't know,' she said as she shrugged. "'Dramatic!' "'You say that as though it were a good thing,' Duncan said as he brought her hand to his lips and kissed it. "'You are a beautiful woman in your own right, and you know it.' I just haven't seen much of Sydney since the accident, and she seems to have recovered well. I had heard—he said, his voice trailing off as he kept his eyes on Sydney as they approached the group. Madison stopped and put her hands on her hips. You had heard what? That she hadn't—Duncan did not stop walking, so Madison followed, hurrying a little to catch up. I think she still struggles a little, she said, but she's moving on. She may even be involved with someone new again, too, although she never talks about him. That, Duncan said, lowering his voice as they neared the tent and several of their friends turned to greet them, either means it's a very good thing she doesn't want to share with the world. He paused and looked sideways at Madison. Or it's a very bad thing she is afraid to—